What's up, everyone? This is Adam Mades from DNVR, excited to talk to you about American financing. Everyday bills are high, and everything is still very expensive, which is why, if you own a home, I want you to call our friends at American Financing. Interest rates are lower than they've been in a long time. They're saving their customers, on average, $854 a month by tapping into their home's equity and wiping out high-interest credit card debt. Their salary-based mortgage consultants are in it for you. Their job is to save you money. Call American Financing and tell them DNVR sent you today, and you may be able to delay two mortgage payments. That's 303-695-7000, 303-695-7000, or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley right from the logo. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today we are talking about that basketball game that went down last night. Um, really exciting, and then a huge win for Colorado. They, they pull it out 82-78 on the road at Oregon. First time they'd won there since 2013, I believe. Um, we're going to dig into that, the big comeback, all that kind of stuff. And I'm really excited because... You know, the, the conversations about the point guard position have been kind of dark recently. It's like, ah, Keyshawn's kind of struggling. Keyshawn's kind of struggling. Can can KJ take that job from him? And and it's like, KJ's playing solid. He's had a couple of good games in there. But there isn't really... Again, it's it's not like you're saying, oh, these two guys are really competing at a high level to, to see who can win this. It's like, ah, how how do you pull wins out of this stretch at this point? With, with young players who have bright futures in front of them, absolutely. Um, last night though, it kind of flipped the conversation where they both play really well and you just say, wow, they've got options. It's not all that bad. You, you see how this team can be successful and, uh, they got a big win. Their few first Q1 win of the season. Um, so I want to, I want to talk about that game, give like an update on 
like where they fit in in like the bigger pictures here, you know, in the Pac-12, you know, going to the NCAA tournament, those sorts of things. And that's kind of the plan for today. Um, I've been I've been having some fun with the bus on the road, honestly. Like it means that I have a little bit less work to do when they aren't around here. And like what it's it's like noon today. I uh I like woke up, turned on some golf, decided I'm gonna put a bet on Bryson DeChambeau and just watch the Farmers Insurance Open this week. Like just four days. It's a midweek tournament. It's pretty incredible. And uh it's like, yeah, is Bryson gonna win? Honestly, I'd be kind of disappointed if he does because he's not my favorite person, but it's always just a good bet, you know? And when you get 15 to 1 odds on it, it's tough to complain. So it's it's been, you know, doing that kind of stuff. I've got a nice basketball parlay tonight, a college basketball parlay. There's a boost on DraftKings. Um, it's like if you can, you can get a free bet if you miss a three-leg college basketball parlay by one. So if you pick two of three games, get one wrong, uh, you you get your bet back up to twenty five dollars, and then just try it again. So I I made one of those with a bunch of favorites. I tried to get like the first game of the day and the last game of the day in there, so it'll just be nice and spread out. It's a good time. It's a really good time. Um, but let's dig into this basketball game. So, you know, obviously had a chance to sleep on it last night, and. I think you just have to start by talking about this comeback. You know, Colorado starts terribly, terribly. Um, they're they're down 10-0 right off the bat. I think they actually gave up three from there. So it was 13-0 right off the bat. Um, at one point, they're down 25-10. to That's that's the, the biggest deficit of the game. But then they fought their way back, and it looked a lot like that UCLA game. Uh, the run came a little bit earlier, which was nice to see, and that's honestly probably why they were able to make it all the way back. You know, Tad was saying after the UCLA game that they just couldn't get over the hump, and that when they were able to get close, that's when UCLA's best players just hit a couple shots and answered back whenever they needed to, and Colorado couldn't climb that hill. By, by getting that run done early, they gave themselves some opportunities. You know, they led for the final eight minutes of that game, um, it typically by about five points and just kind of held on. They, they were in the power position when push came to shove and it, it's just wild that that happened considering where that game was and, and the deficit that they'd built. Um, in terms of like that, that beginning of the game where things were really ugly, I think, I guess this can't really come as a surprise when you're giving up the first 13 points of the game but but some of it's on Colorado and some of it you just got to give props to Oregon you know they started shooting incredibly hot um they were like seven of their first eight I think went in uh, a couple of those were pretty well contested threes not like right up in your face oh my goodness how do you do that but but solid contests on threes where the Ducks just hit those shots on top of that you know there were a couple of open looks that they also made and again, it's it's this difference once you get into Pac-12 play when you're playing good teams with good players. If you give them a decent look, there's a real chance it's going to go in. You know the 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 what what you can consider a good contest on a shot. It, the the parameters get a little bit tighter when you're playing teams like Oregon or UCLA, and there's there's still probably a gap between those teams, but. You know, it's not like they had Johnny Juzang out there, but they still have guys who are going to make some of those shots. 
And I think that some of it is just that Colorado doesn't have many players who are, are green-lighted for those sorts of shots. You know, Keyshawn will take a transition three here and there, but those are pretty rare. Whereas some of these shots that you see from these other teams where you have confident veterans who have proven themselves and, and have a really good feel for the game, you know, they, they do have a little bit more, or the coaches have a little more faith in those guys, and they'll take a shot from a step or two behind the arc. Um I think a lot of this is just see you looking at opponents and saying like, okay, here's here's what makes them good. Oh, we we can kind of learn from the team that we are playing and use that even on the fly. I, I think that just seeing how these teams work and and where they are and the effort and those sorts of things, it does kind of rub off on these young guys. You know, Tad said after the game last night. Um, I mean, first of all, he said after the UCLA game that the team just wants to get better. That's the goal. And and he went into halftime and said, hey, we just did what we just did in that first half. Let's use this second half to get better. And then after the game said, yeah, we, we did get better in that second half. We became a better basketball team. We learned, we grew, whatever. And then last night he said it was the same thing where you can just see the tangible growth from this team, um, whether it's these last couple of games or even within the, the, the different halves of these games. Um, and I think a lot of that is just by going up against good competition and seeing what these really good basketball players who are used to playing in this conference, who set the tone for the conference at this point, how they approach things and, and, and the shots that they take and, and how they defend and all of that. And, you know, that's what's missing for Colorado, right? Like, you've got Evan Batty in that locker room. You've got Evan Batty at practice playing that that top-tier Pac-12 basketball, but you don't have the depth that you used to. You know, these guys aren't cutting their teeth against kin every single day, getting their pocket picked and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so I do think that, that that's just a thought that I've been having, that this team really is pretty clearly growing and just learning from the competition and you know if it does stick together if all these guys are still around in a couple years which I think is unlikely this will be one of the very best teams in the Pac-12 you know two years from now I mean even three years from now really um, it's going to be really good now at the same time Jabari Walker if he plays like he did last night pretty consistently he's going to be gone to the NBA um you know, we were really waiting for a game like this from him. We haven't seen him score that efficiently since... I mean, I mean, really, the only game that compares is the Georgetown game in the tournament last year, and that's one where everything was clicking for Colorado. And he was obviously a big part of that, so he deserves some credit. But to have this type of performance now as the, the kind of alpha on the team against Oregon in a tight game... I mean, this is I mean, that that was absolutely the best game of his career. You know, he he missed a three at the beginning of the game, could have put Colorado on the board. Uh, he he missed a layup that uh, could have sent Colorado to double digits, um, and then didn't miss the rest of the game. From there, hit a layup, hit a layup, free throw, free throw, free throw, hit a three, layup, dunk, layup, dunk, layup, jumper, free throw, free throw to close it out in the clutch. He finished nine of eleven from the field. 
with those two misses coming when Colorado just couldn't get anything going. Now, at the same time, if you're nitpicking, you say, ah, they really needed a bucket there. They sure did, and he gave it to them the rest of the way. 24 points, 11 rebounds. That's his ninth triple-double, or sorry, double-double of the year. Um, Most in the Pac-12. It really was kind of like... All the pieces coming together for Jabari. You know, we, he's he's had plenty of good games, uh, plenty plenty of good games, but this one, and he he shot over eighty percent from the field, and that's not something that obviously has happened all season. And to shoot that well while also scoring twenty four points, he sets a season high. He ties his career high. I. It was a really, really dominant performance from Jabari. You know, if they could just get him the ball in the post, he was putting that in or getting to the free throw line. Um, I, again, just, uh, it, it changes things for Colorado. You know, they, can he now become that that dominant player who every possession, you're you're saying, oh, can we get Jabari the ball? Like, oh, I'm Keisha, I'm dribbling up the court. Uh, what should I do here? Well, let's just, let's just make sure Jabari doesn't have a good matchup because if Jabari has a matchup, we just feed Jabari. That's what this team probably needs to be for it to be the best version of itself. And the reason is because that would mean that Jabari's playing really good basketball. He's, he's able to take on kind of that alpha sort of scoring role, um, which it can be tough to do from the a forward position, power forward position. But it almost... I don't know. I'm a Nuggets fan, so it makes me think back to like the the early Jokic days um, when Jokic is either coming in off the bench, uh, maybe maybe he's starting at that point, and he's a really good player, and he's shooting 60 plus percent, and he's not turning the ball over, and all of the numbers are incredible, but just his role in the offense isn't all that big yet because he's a rookie or in his second year or whatever at that point, and so you keep thinking like. Why don't they just give the ball to Jokic every play? Why don't Why don't they give it to Jokic? And the answer is because, well, he's he hasn't proven himself to be somebody who should be taking 12, 15. Sure, when he's taking six shots a night, he's making all of them. But just kind of obviously, he's the league MVP and the best basketball player alive. So you, it's a different conversation than uh, Jabari Walker. But just in watching how Jokic kind of grew into that alpha role for the Nuggets, I think that there can be some similarities with a Jabari Walker. Um, and just kind of how we've seen in the past where it's like, oh, he, he, he disappeared there. Like there's that stretch in the middle of the game where he just didn't do all that much. Um, or, or, oh, it's the last five minutes and, and they're trying to pull something out here. And Jabari's just not really a factor. He, he can disappear just a little bit. But I almost wonder if a night like this, on top of, I mean, it's been a solid string of, of good games for him. Is that just kind of what, what puts him over the top and make sure that everybody realizes, okay, we have Jabari Walker on offense. Let's get him the ball. Let's let him score because he's going to be able to handle some things. Um, we're getting close. We're getting close. And that's where that's where you don't need Keyshawn taking so many shots. You know, he can work off ball a little bit more, see if he can get some open looks. And he did work off ball a little bit last night playing with KJ. We'll talk more about those guards in a minute. But for Jabari, I mean, just dominant against a good team. And he played really well against UCLA before that. Um, 19 points, 6 of 13 from the field. Um, 
he's figuring some things out. He's figuring some things out. And I'm excited to see where this goes because, I mean, this is what we talked about before the season, right? Like, for this team to be a, a tournament team, you're going to need Jabari Walker to be one of the best players in the Pac-12. And with that performance tonight, he's gotten himself into that conversation. Let's touch on Tristan Da Silva, too. Um, an, a, another solid performance for Tristan last night. That's four games in a row in double figures. Um, what is his fourth game in double figures of the season came in the ninth game. Um, and then after that, he had three more without double figures. And so, I mean, this, this for Tristan was, it was a very big season, right? It's, it's year number two. You're, you're getting a starting role. You know, you're six foot 10. You're skilled. There's the sky's the limit. You know, you just look at him and say, Hey, that's, that's a big guy who has good touch, who can move well for being six foot 10. And he's not just tall. Like he's got a frame where you can say, Oh, he's, he, He's going to put some weight on. There's room for some muscle there. The thing is, if you're if you're one of those stretch fours, there isn't a lot that you can do to help your team until you do have a little bit more of that size and unless like you're super sharp shooting right away because a lot of those skilled guys it takes some time to transition into the college game. You know, just cuz everything speeds up and I think that we're just watching Tristan Da Silva follow along that path. And now he's gotten to the point where he's a he's a solid Pac-12 starter. He's a solid Pac-12 starter. There are flashes, though, of what he could be in the coming years, which is, I think, one of the best players in the Pac-12. You know, last night, five of six from the field, two of three from three, uh, only two rebounds. He had a steal. He had a couple blocks. But 15 points, just so efficient offensively, even with those those turnovers at the end, which we'll get to. Um, but you're seeing all these pieces come together for Tristan and and for Jabari, and you know the the guards are playing better, and and Neek has really stepped into that sixth man role and played really well. It almost feels like he's rewarded for that, right? Where it's like, okay. Now now go start these couple of games where Eli Parquet's gone. Show us what you can do, and then we'll slide you back into the bench, hopefully with that experience under your belt, helping you to progress even more. Um, the, it's just a really exciting time. It's a really exciting time to see all these young guys start to get things clicking. And it makes you wonder where they're going to be in what, a month and a half from now? I think Pac-12 tournament starts March 9th, so around that long. We'll see. Um, before, I guess we should say a Tristan Da Silva. The inability to inbound the ball late in that game was frustrating. I think were there three where, where he couldn't get it in cleanly? Um, wound up with four turnovers on the day. Uh, he had he had some pretty big turnover numbers recently against which one of those games? Oh, six turnovers against UCLA. Um, so ten turnovers in two games, not necessarily something you like to see. Um, but the, the the scoring has been so much more efficient recently. Tristan's gonna be really good. Um, real quick, want to tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery. Um, I've told you before. I'll tell you again. They uh they do so much for us. Uh, they they give us beer first of all which would be enough to make me happy but then they also have ads on all the podcasts and you know they're they're pushing our content and helping us out and having us out and treating us to things at the farmhouse 
But also, like, that's because they want to be a huge part of the sports community here, and they are. They've partnered with most of the local sports teams, including the Colorado Buffaloes. They're just a really great Colorado company that makes really great Colorado beers, and so you should support them because we su- or they support us, and, and we like to show them how much we appreciate that. Uh, I recommend getting your hands on the Strawberry Sky, uh, but there's plenty of other options too. There's seltzers, there's all sorts of stuff. Plus, you can go get some food down at the farmhouse in Littleton if you are uh, interested in a, a nice dinner or, I guess, lunch or whatever meal you're looking for. But uh, also want to tell you guys about our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. I mentioned earlier that, I mean, things are going really well for me. I've been hitting all sorts of different bets. Um, what was there was a really good one yesterday. Oh, <laughs> this is perfect because it was uh, the Buffs. I actually I bet on Colorado to win the game last night, and this is I think this is actually the first time I bet on Colorado all season. But I was like, well, I mean, I'm watching from home anyway. I I think that there's a there's a chance that they could make some sort of run here, and the odds were basically. Let me double check so I don't lie. Um, they were three to one. And so I put down a little less than a unit. And, uh, then when they went, uh, went down 10, zero, I made another bet with another unit and, uh, that one was seven to one. And so I wound up making a decent amount of cash there, but I mean, it's just so much fun. Whether you want to bet on the buffs, whether you want to bet on anything else, I made a couple parlays tonight. I've got, uh, uh, let's see, the the Nuggets to win against Brooklyn. Um, Nicole Jokic over 27.5 points, over 14.5 rebounds, then 25-plus Aaron Gordon points, rebounds, and assists. That gets, because there's a boost today, that goes from plus 1,100 to plus 1,320. So that means you, you bet $1, you win $13.20. So, like, why not? Why not take a flyer there? I did something similar with the Avs. Just the Avs to win by at least two. Uh, Avs to win the first period. And Miko to get a goal, plus 540. Again, just take advantage of these 20% boosts because why not? And I also said, watching some golf, throw a bet down. I think I'm going to be able to just watch this whole tournament. I'm really excited. I haven't done that since, honestly, since, like, the Masters, maybe. But, uh... Yeah, DraftKings, a lot of fun. I'm excited for this. I'm also excited for the Senior Bowl next week. That's the other big one. Get to sit at home and watch these Senior Bowl practices, get ready for the draft. Um, but, yeah, watching some golf. Going to hopefully make some money there, too. Um, and uh, the Buffs funded a lot of these bets, so shout out to all of them. Maybe we need another NIL deal that I can just pay based on them winning me money. That's, that's getting real shady. Um but yeah, if you're new to DraftKings, there's actually a special right now. You can jump in and uh, get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team to win this weekend. All you got to do is bet $5, win 280 in free bets if your team wins. Uh, DraftKings is an official partner of the NFL, and uh, they're also America's top-rated sports betting app. So jump in on that. That's promo code DNVR for 56 to 1 odds for new users at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right. Uh, next up, we got to talk about these guards. Um, 
real quick, I guess a little injury update. So Eli or Elijah Parquet did play last night and played about 20 minutes, I believe. Um, wasn't his best game, especially offensively. He struggled to shoot. Makes sense after you take a little bit of time off that your shot might not come back immediately. A um, couple of good plays on defense. Also, personally, didn't think like it was his best defensive game either. Um, definitely a situation to watch. Um, it, is this just like a little first game back blip? Probably. I think that's probably a big part of it. And you know, by the end of the road trip, I bet he's kind of back to himself. But also the minutes is probably what I'm even more interested in. Um, only played 21 minutes last night. Typically, he plays pretty close to like the most minutes on the team um on night to night basis you know he's right up there especially with the foul trouble potentially getting to Evan and Jabari bringing the averages down a bit um but but Eli's usually good to to play 30 minutes a night and yesterday came off the bench kept Neek Clifford in the starting lineup um I think again this is just kind of easing Eli back in and hopefully hopefully that that's a nice smooth process um yeah I think that's kind of it for notes there I do think that he's probably starting if not during this road trip then when they they're back home next week against Oregon again on Thursday that's going to be another fun game um also Lawson Lovering he wasn't there on the bench, uh, means he's probably not going to be available for the entire road trip. Definitely a situation to watch. Um, obviously, you, you start Evan Batty and Tristan De Silva in the front court, but he's kind of your your third big who rotates in. Um, Mill or sorry, Will Laughlin got a couple of minutes last night in the first half. I, again, I don't think the goal is going to be to get Will Laughlin out on the court during you know the competitive parts of the game, but you know if Tristan gets into foul trouble, or sorry, Jabari gets into foul trouble, Evan gets into foul trouble, it becomes more and more likely. Um, I think that Tristan. I, I've said it over and over again. I like playing him in the post. I like getting him post touches. I think that he's at his best when, you know, Jabari or Evan goes to the bench and he's able to move over to the four, sometimes even to the five. Um, obviously, expect him to get more of those opportunities given there's no loss in Lovering. And, uh, you know, if, if I was Tad, I would honestly consider if, if Eli is good to go, starting Eli, keeping Neek in and moving him to the three and then uh letting uh Tristan come off the bench and and kind of play as that third big and it doesn't really matter just because you know in the NBA the substitutions are so simple like basically if you're Nicole Jokic you you play the first quarter you maybe you probably play the first 11 minutes of the first quarter sit out the last minute sit out four or five minutes in the second quarter to start and then jump in for the rest of the quarter. Um, and then in the second half, he'll leave pretty early in the third quarter, like the six-minute mark, seven-minute mark, then ride the bench until a minute, two minutes into the fourth quarter, a minute probably, and play the rest of the way. And then the bench guys, you know, they come in and, and fill those two gaps in the middle. Of it. But in college basketball, the rotations 
are much more fluid, and there's a bunch of different guys playing with a bunch of different people. So I guess it really doesn't matter too much who who starts because you don't have like a solidified bench unit quite as much as you do in the NBA. There's a lot more crossover, it feels like. Um, for that reason, maybe you just play Tristan off the bat for two, three minutes, pull him out, let Jabari and Evan go at it for a bit with uh, Neek and those other guys, and then let uh, Tristan come back and be a bit of a scoring punch, especially because I feel like with him out there and KJ, you're, you're pretty explosive. You're pretty explosive in that bench lineup. But, again, they'll rotate guys in so much that it doesn't really matter. Um, definitely disappointing not to see uh, Lawson out there. Um, and a big thing is, like, you know, we've seen him get a lot better over the course of the season. And it just stinks to think that this might be a week where he doesn't get better or two weeks or whatever the situation is. Um, so, yeah, want him back quick. Want him to have this, I mean, hopefully, like a full month to get ready for the Pac-12 tournament and see what he is at that point. Um, Okay, so that was injuries. The rest of these guards, though. So the big news is against USC... KJ didn't quite close the game out at point guard. I think with about two minutes left, Keyshawn subbed back in for him, and Keyshawn really struggled in that game where KJ played pretty well. Um, Keyshawn notably had a pretty bad shot, the last shot that the Buffs had to tie things up in the final minute. Um, It was a rough night for Keyshawn, and it kind of opened the door for some changes at the point guard position. Uh, we we saw against UCLA that Keyshawn sat the last 15 minutes of the game. It was the fewest minutes he'd played all season, I believe. and or Maybe it was second fewest. He might have had another light one. But he basically, his, his late game minutes, they were given to KJ. And KJ played pretty well in that game. And so with those two games kind of going the way they did, you thought maybe there'd be a chance that Tad would pull the trigger and say, you know what? At this point, let's uh, let's just go with KJ. He's our new starter. Well, he didn't. Keyshawn goes out there, plays 29 minutes, 5 of 9 from the field, missed both of his threes, uh, 19 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds, only turned the ball over twice. It was a really good performance and an efficient performance, um, especially given that he was going up against Oregon, and that's a tough matchup for just about anybody. Um, great bounce back game for him. He was Colorado's second leading scorer. And again, 19 points, five of nine shooting. You love to see it. He was nine to nine from the free throw line. Aggressiveness really paid off. I, uh, I, he put a pause on the conversation. You know, one of, one of my complaints has been that we just haven't seen back to back good games from Keyshawn. You know, the, the key now is to go into Washington and repeat it. And if he could turn this into a good road trip, then he would have kind of given himself a bit of a leash. You know, where the leash right now, it is short. A little bit longer after last night, though. Meanwhile, KJ played well, too. Uh, 19 minutes, he put up 8 points, 3 of 6 from the field, uh, 3 boards, 6 assists, only 1 turnover. You just like that punch that he brings off the bench. How many times did he get to the line? He didn't get to the line at all. That's surprising. Um... Also, probably worth noticing or, or noting, Neek or sorry, Keyshawn has struggled finishing at the rim. 
And the fact that he was getting fouled so much probably helps his shooting percentage, you know, because he gets to take free throws instead of needing those to go in. Um, still good on him to draw that contact and make all that happen for sure. Um, but if you wanted a, a reason just to pause a little bit, you'd say, uh, is, can, can he keep getting to the line nine times? Because if he does that, then yeah, start him. If not, we'll see. Um, I think I think the most interesting part of the whole th- ordeal there at point guard is that for most of the final minutes, they had KJ and Keyshawn out there together. So here's what that looked like. Um, with like five minutes to go, they had Jabari, Keyshawn, Eli, Tristan, and Evan. So, so that's uh, Keyshawn point guard, uh, Elijah playing the two, Tristan at the three, Jabari at the four, and then Evan at the five. These are their normal starters when they're healthy. And that lineup was in from about five minutes left to about 145 left. At 145 left, uh, that's where KJ came in for Elijah. So so KJ is at point guard, Keyshawn goes to the two, and then uh, Tristan three, Jabari four, Evan at the five. And that lineup went from 145 left to about 45 seconds left. And then, with 45 seconds left, that's when they started doing the offense and defense subs. So when, when the Buffs had the ball, they'd have Keyshawn in there with Evan, um, basically that lineup we just said. But when the Buffs didn't have the ball, they'd put uh, Eli in for Keyshawn and Neek in for Evan, which I, I think I like. Um, so, again, like basically you're... you're your closing lineup there is KJ, Keyshawn, Tristan, Jabari, Evan. That's your base closing lineup. But your defensive lineup winds up being KJ at the one, Eli at the two, Neek at the three, Tristan at the four, and Jabari at the five. Um, And I like that because, first of all, in the situation that the buffs were in, you're not too worried about giving up points in the paint. Um, they, they, KJ wound up fouling somebody down there, which you just can't do. But for that reason, it kind of makes sense to have Jabari a little bit lighter in the paint, more shot blocking potential, more mobility, more switchability. Um, instead of having Evan in there, who's kind of your big anchor, don't let anybody get to the rim um, type of player. By moving Tristan from the three to the four, Again, he, his feet are just a little bit slow defensively to play the three, and he's looking a lot better defensively recently. Um, but I think that he's more natural probably guarding power forwards than he is small forwards, and so you move him into that role. Um, you wind up having Neek defending the three. You love that, obviously. Um, Eli defending the two. You love that. And KJ defending the one. And that's kind of the decision there is do you want KJ on defense instead of uh, Keyshawn on defense? And I think that that's probably the right call. Uh, I know, like I said, KJ did have that bad foul that gave up the and one. So that the Buffs, I mean, it was that game wasn't over until it was over, um, and it was because of a couple little mistakes like that, uh, not getting the ball in those sorts of things. But I think that that's probably the news is that KJ was the one that Tad trusted defensively, and again, I think that lines up with what we've seen. Um, I also think that when Eli uh, when Eli is healthy, that means that one of KJ or Keyshawn goes to the bench. 
Um, unless they want to play him at the three and send Tristan to the bench, but that would kind of surprise me. Um, so who is that? In, in the last game, it was Keyshawn who went to the bench. And if they're leaning toward defense, uh, which is possible, then it could continue to be that way. But we won't get a good read. I mean, who knows? I mean, if Eli's back playing full minutes in the next game, we might know for sure. Um, but, yeah, there's kind of your update with those guards. Again, they both played well, and that's what you want. What you don't want is to be saying, ah, you know, Keyshawn really struggled. But KJ, is he really going to be an upgrade? Is it worth upsetting the locker room, doing those sorts of things? Uh, it's, a, it's a, I'm not so sure. What you want is, wow, Keyshawn played well, but KJ played great. Like, he should probably be starting too. And that's what we got last night, is two guys who deserved or, or played like they belonged in the starting lineup. Um, definitely going to be fun to watch going forward. Also worth noting that uh, Julian Hammond only played four minutes. Uh, that's similar to what happened against USC. Uh, he played three minutes against USC, played 15 against UCLA, and then a lot of those were supposed to be uh, Keyshawn's minutes in the second half. So again, Julian Hammond is kind of like the guy who who benefits if one of these other two struggles. And it's a good third option to have, right? A, a point guard who, what are his stats? It's the numbers are so low because he plays so few minutes, um, but he's putting up 0.6 assists, 0.6 turnovers. I guess he did have a little bit rougher start to the season, but recently I mean, he hasn't turned the ball over in four games. He's got three assists in that time. Hey, if if his number gets called, it's gonna you're excited to see him out there for sure. Um, I think that's all I've got. You know, impressive, impressive ability to fight back. And, and get back into a game on the road against Oregon, a place where this team has struggled for such a long time. I think that it has to give you some hope and it makes you think that maybe the season isn't over. You know, you've, you've, you've got a little more than half of conference play left. If you're able to pull off the win against Washington, you'll be sitting there at six and four halfway through your conference schedule. So you'd expect to be about 12 and eight. That gets you uh, maybe in competition for that four seed, depending on how things pan out um, and across the board here. But you know, when you look at it and say you're six and four at the halfway point, this is one of the youngest teams in the conference. You expect them to to be better in the second half than the first. And you know, we've we've seen some of that growth. It's easy to get excited. Now you throw in that. I mean, let's let's just run through the schedule the rest of the way. You've got Washington. You've got Washington State. That's Thursday. That's Sunday. Every road game is tough. But those are two that, you know, if, if you beat Oregon on the road, it's easy to get excited about those two games coming up. Come back to Boulder next Thursday, and they've got Oregon. It's a tough matchup. They're going to want revenge. Um, let's, let's, just say, let's just say they finish off this road trip strong. So they're 5-4 they're and four now. They get to 6-4 and four against Washington. Then they get to seven and four against Washington State. Maybe that's a little optimistic. Let's say they drop the game to Oregon, um, just to balance some of that out. Um, you're sitting there at seven and five. Then you've got Oregon State at home. They're three and fourteen right now. Gotta say that that's eight and five. Um, home against Utah again. That's nine and five. You got Cal, another team with a losing record. Sure, you're on the road, um, but it's Cal. You get ten and five there. Then you've got Stanford, a road game. Just to again balance some of this out, be a little bit conservative here. Ten and six after the Stanford game. 
Then Arizona State and uh, Arizona come to town. Say beat Arizona State, lose to Arizona. Then you're talking 11 and 7. They close the season out against Utah on the road. Call that 12 and 7. And then they also have the the road game with Oregon State still to be uh, scheduled, and that's uh, a team again that's three and fourteen. Um, win that whenever that is. That's thirteen and seven. And if you wind up thirteen and seven in the Pac-12, well, last year that would have gotten you fifth, um, with UCLA finishing just ahead thirteen and six because they had one game that didn't get rescheduled. Um, before that, they weren't playing 20-game schedules, so you got to change the, the math a little bit. But 2019-2020, two years ago, that winning percentage, that would get you to third um, in, in the regular season. Um, the, the year before that, that winning percentage also gets you to third. Year before that, third again. Year before that, fourth. So, again, if, if, if things go the way they are, and I think that there's more potential to win some of those games I called losses um, than there is to lose the games I called wins. I think that that's probably more likely. Then, um, I mean, you're, you're, you're going to be in real, real competition for a bye. And if you finish top four in the regular season, win a game or two in the tournament, I guess the way it sets up, you have a bye that first day. So win a game in the tournament, then you're going to be likely a tournament team i would say as it stands right now uh so so in the new net rankings that were released today uh which is a big part of how the ncaa decides who makes the tournament and all that sort of stuff colorado's sitting there in 76th place it's not great but there's potential to move up you know there were 85 before last night um that that 76 though it's good for fifth in the pac-12 um oregon is fourth they're at 59 Washington State is at third. They're at 58. Again, that's going to be a pretty important game this weekend. Um, and then, you know, the the game over Washington, just for reference, that is number 143. And there are only uh, two teams worse. So that puts them in 10th place, according to the net ranking. So, hey, the it's not necessarily the easiest path to the tournament because there's a decent chance that the Pac-12 doesn't get that fourth team in. Um if depending on how things play out, the fifth team or whatever. But the, the door has been opened by that win last night, um, assuming they're able to handle business the rest of this road trip. I think that that's, uh, that's, that's a, it's obviously what's most important now because it's what's up next. But hey, the game against Washington, don't blow it. See if you can take down Washington State on Sunday. Um, again, that's, that's going to do it for today. We're going to get out of here. But uh, the, the world is open for the Buffaloes, uh, thanks to that big win last night on the road against Oregon. Uh, we'll be back talking tomorrow, actually with Matt McChesney. So we'll, we'll get a whole bunch of football stuff done tomorrow. And I'll see you then. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide 
that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.